Miami is an ever-changing place. You know, we, I've lived here for over 20 years. Larry grew up in this town. And it's obviously been a big talk of uh, national news, how people have moved from New York, California, and all over the country down to our city. Ready, set, let's go. You know, just thinking about how much Miami has changed, you know, I just think back, Larry, to when we first started Idea Financial. We could talk about the law firm in a minute, but when we first started Idea Financial, the idea that we would be lending money from this city sort of raised red flags even for some of our lenders because Miami was considered sort of a fraud capital of the United States. And now, five years later, this is sort of the place to be. And it's just an interesting thing to watch this evolution. Yeah, people didn't even take that notion seriously. So I'm happy today we'll talk about all things Miami, what it's like to live here for decades, what it's like to practice law here, what it's like to run a business, what it's like to start a business, and how those things have changed in the last couple of years, because they've changed dramatically. Most of it for the good, but not always. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot of good from an industry standpoint. You know, the mayor of Miami has been an excellent proponent of growth here. Of the He's done a great world. job. Yeah, he's promoted the city. He's been a great ambassador for the city. And frankly, you know, with COVID, it was an opportunity because this state never really shut down in the way that other states did. So people who were looking for some level of freedom and somewhere where they could live as close to a normal life as they possibly could found their way down here. You combine that with the fact that wealthier people don't have to pay as much in taxes sure. and it becomes a very attractive place. But there has been a bit of a change to this city that, you know, like you said, there's been the good, but there's also been change that I think has been somewhat negative, which has changed the whole uh, the whole way the city looks and feels, which, you know, I think it wasn't really ready and prepared for that type of an influence. Absolutely. But let's let's rewind. Obviously, the, the changes that happened during COVID were remarkable, and they're still going on. They haven't stopped. But let's rewind. When did you move here? Uh, I came here for law school in 2000. So I lived, grew up in New Jersey, went to college in Arizona and my family moved to Broward County and I came here to the University of Miami. And this place was like completely different when I came down here. You know, South Beach was the place to be. Mm -hmm. I don't even know any, you live on South Beach, but kind of. I, <laughs> I don't know anybody who actually goes there as much as they used to, but that was sort of like the mecca of tourism. And this place was looked at as just a, a tourist hub and that was it. Now, of course, after 22 years, the, the landscape has changed a lot and you've seen it ever since you were a little kid. Yeah, it's... It's remarkable how much this city has changed. I mean, something that always stands out to me when I talk with my mom and she says, you know, in the 90s, when we would drop you off, you know, I was in middle school, high school, I'd, you know, I couldn't drive yet, wanted to go to a party or a sleepover, something like that. And my parents would have to pick me up afterwards. They didn't have anything to do. Do you think about that? In Miami in the mid 90s, there were a handful of restaurants to go to on a Saturday night. Yeah, they were bored. They had nothing to do on Saturday night. Fast forward to, to 2022, where there's too many things to do. I don't even know how, I don't even know 90% of the restaurants in the city anymore. It, it is crazy. You know, when I first came down here, well, not when I first came down here, I would say when I started practicing here, uh, South Florida was a, a, a community that was dominated by Latin culture, South America, Central America, Cuba. That was the main demographic. Over the last couple of years, though, the New York influx has changed that, I think, a lot. You know, there's a lot of people coming in from New York City, California, obviously, to escape whatever policies they don't agree with in those states. And that has shifted the demographic. I think that it's made the city 
a lot wealthier, a lot more difficult to afford. And I think those are some of the things that I think are important to talk about. And you, having grown up here and seen this place change from, let's say, like 1990 until today, I'm sure that you've seen all of the the positive as far as like getting Miami on the map and, and seeing it more than just a tourist destination. But when it comes to the people who have been here for all this time, the lack of affordable housing, the expense of going out to dinner, uh, all the things that are difficult, the, the lack of public transportation. This city was not ready, I don't think, for what has happened to it over the last five years. It's benefited a very small class of people, but I think everybody else has sort of been not really, they haven't really um, uh, consulted with the people who have been most negatively affected by those changes. Yeah, well, let's talk about the standard of living. I mean, we've been, we've been friends in this city together for many, many years. We've been business partners for many, many years. And just through that lens, I see, I can remember some really interesting things that we heard. And one thing that stands out in my mind, I remember that you represented a doctor uh, in, a, in, a, in a certain matter. And we spent a lot of time with him uh, in the office. And one thing he told us, he said, well, you know, back in the 80s and the 90s, I had privileges at like four hospitals throughout the city. And that was my routine. Every day I'd go to the different uh, hospitals around the city. I'd see my patients. I couldn't do that today. Because today, especially this time of the year with Art Basel and everything going on, you can't get from one side of the city to the other in less than an hour. I know. It's, it's crazy. I, I if live, you're lucky. I live six miles from the office. And there have been times when I have brought my gym clothes here and run home for exercise. I've been able to get home in almost as much time as it would have taken me if I would have driven my car. But those think are real how, things. Think about how crazy that is. Though, that right? impacts your lifestyle. That impacts – those are what, you know, what are considered like your golden hour. Where instead of sitting in your car or in traffic, you could be home with your kids or be doing something else. It's it, it really does have a real impact on people's lifestyles here, on their quality of living. And it also shows the the lack of infrastructure. Another thing that always stands out in my mind, and I complain about this almost every day to you. You know, right now we're sitting here in downtown Miami, where you know, on the other side of the bridge there's a Miami River, and then there's Brickle, right? Brickle is a really well-known commercial hub for Miami. But there's bridges in between the two. And they go up all times of the day, including traffic hour, rush, and tr- hour. rush hour, and it'll block. Uh, it, it'll cause traffic jams all the way up to Broward County, which is the the county that's north of here. It's unbelievable that that stuff still occurs in Miami, and those things are almost embarrassing. And it shows. It's a really, um, in, you know, inarguable way to show how immature the city is in a lot of ways, and how it wasn't to your point ready for this influx, and it still isn't. Well, let me ask you this, because as we've watched the city change over the course, especially over the course of the last two to three years, which has been just incredible, as someone who's been here for 30 years or more, what what are your thoughts on how this change has impacted the city? And not just you personally, but, you know, here at IDEA, we have, you know, 50 or so employees, probably half of which are local here in South Florida, when we were practicing law, we you know we had clients all over the city that worked in different jobs. What are you seeing as the the impacts, and and what would you like to see change as far as the way that things have developed over the course of the last couple of years? Well, first of all, we're we're, we're not criticizing Miami. We're telling you our perspective how it is. Obviously, I'm still here. My family's still here. I love living in Miami, and the the lifestyle here is is still very enjoyable. And I think along with some of the growing pains, there's tremendous opportunity here now. And traditionally, Miami, and for that matter, the entire state of Florida, but we'll focus on Miami, it's been dominated by hospitality, by tourism, 
and you know, along with it, real estate, and not much else. And I think that's finally started to change, and that creates real opportunities for professionals and for all sorts of industries that support um, new industries that are coming into town. And it's not just some wealthy business owners who have vacation home, a vacation home here now and spend a few weeks out of the year. They're relocating their entire businesses down here. They're relocating their you know, top talent down here. That's creating a real structural change. I think it's going to take a while for everything to catch up with that. But it creates a lot of opportunities. Let's, let's use lawyers, for example. A lawyer, what, what industries were here? The industries dictate what kind of clients a lawyer is going to be able to service. Along with a bunch of new industries, um, it creates a lot of new opportunities for lawyers, more business, more clients. You can diversify into different things other than hospitality and real estate. I think that's a very exciting opportunity, and I'm just looking at it through the lens of an attorney, but think about it through the lens of an architect, through the lens of a finance professional, you name it. There's so much more opportunity now, more diversified opportunity. I think that's really good for our economy down here, and that's a structural change. Uh, I'm very excited by that, and I think it shows for us, along with that, you have a different quality of, of talent pool, and not just for our business, but for all, all businesses around here. For a while, I think traditionally, Miami was a difficult place to attract talent. It was always viewed as a little bit of a party town, kind of a backwater, eh, you know, where am I going to send my kids to school, where can I live? That's changed also, and I think that's another positive impact for businesses, for business owners, for professionals. But I see a, a lag that's, that's occurring there. Like that, the business and the industry has to be here first, and then everybody who supports those industries will then have the opportunities. But it, I, I think we're still witnessing that lag right now. Well, that's sort of like the, you know, for, from a political standpoint, the idea of sort of trickle-down economics. You're talking about things come from the top and then everything falls into place from there. And I do think there's a strong argument to be made for that. You know, you have companies like Citadel moving their entire operation from Chicago to Miami. You know, you have Goldman here. You have all these big companies from the larger cities in the United States that have come here. And the first people that have come here with them are the very wealthy people. But what I've noticed is a dramatic change in affordability of living. And I'm not just talking about little things like going out or gas prices. I'm, I'm talking about actual living, home prices, apartment rents, things of that nature. When I see that, my concern is that you're building a city where only a certain type of person can even afford to live there. And so where does all where does all this support staff, where do all the people that are gonna help to service these larger corporations, where can they possibly live? You know, I, I, I just happen to be interested in watching the development of the real estate market here in the city. And, you know, you used to be able to get, you know, a very nice house for, you know, between a million, a million and a half dollars. That's a lot of money, right? Now, that type of money can't buy you anything close to the city, nothing. And when you think about what type of earning you have, earning potential you have to have simply to be able to buy a house here, it is, it's unbelievable. And I could tell you, you know, I've talked to some people who have come down here, been unable to buy a house because either there's no inventory or it's too expensive. The amount that they're paying for rent for a single family home, it's, it's 10 times what you would pay for a traditional mortgage. So when you think about what that leads to, for the city itself, my concern is that you're building an infrastructure here where only the uber wealthy can afford to live in this town, and there's no place for the people who will have to work within those companies to be able to service them, and that's a concern. I don't think it's an understatement to say that there's a full-blown housing crisis 
in in Miami, and I don't think it's just Miami. I think it's Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, but the whole, it's all a, of South Florida. But it's particularly bad here. And at our company, we've you know with, we've dealt with 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 that with a lot of our team members who have come to us personally with with their issues with with locating adequate and affordable housing. And, you know, I know affordable housing has technical terms, but just a, a person earning a, a very good living is struggling now in this city to find a place to live. It's, and and it's not just you know absolute dollar terms, but it's you know people have come to us saying, hey, I'm getting kicked out of my apartment because my landlord increase my rent by 40%, but I'm looking at new places now and they want six months down. Or I'm competing against people who are willing to put down the entire year. And you know, I'm thinking about myself in my early 20s when I'm just getting started, I'm out of school. Who has that kind of cash laying around where they can pay a year in advance? It's really problematic. And that causes trouble, I think, for companies that are trying to build a team. And you know, when you're trying to build a team, you have to consider everybody that's a part of that team. And if you can't recruit somebody because they, they simply can't either A, afford to live in the city or they have to live so far away from work that commuting becomes a total nightmare, sure. that is where I find this whole top-down approach to be problematic. And I do think that the intention behind the growth of this city is excellent. And and I'm like I said earlier, a lot of compliments to Mayor Suarez for everything that he's done to promote this city across the country, the governor of this state, you know, whether you like him or not politically, he implemented policies that allowed for people to live, I guess, more freely in the state of Florida than they would have in other places. And that attracted a lot more people to come down here. Yeah, at a minimum, there was much less economic impact statewide than there were in other places. And, and that continues, because if you listen right now to anybody talking about the way the interest rates have impacted housing across the country, you have not seen that dramatic downturn in home sales in this city or this state because people are paying with cash and they're not getting mortgages. So you're not seeing the same negative economic impact no, that you're seeing I've elsewhere. Re I read an article yesterday that, that the real estate prices here are still increasing. I saw you know, it was Dubai was number one and then Miami's number two. It's nuts. Which is mind-blowing, especially growing up here to see Miami listed on the same <laughs> list as London, New York, Dubai, and on top of those cities. It's crazy. But let me ask you, um, and we had so many discussions about this during the lockdown, and, and, and you, know, you read a lot of articles about it, and it's still a hot topic. But the one solution for these things that we're talking about, housing shortages, commute, traffic, lack of, lack of infrastructure, is remote working. Right, and I don't think anybody has the right answer to that. But there were a lot of, there were a lot of days when we said, "Well, this is the solution. Um, we can all of a sudden tap into a national labor pool, and if the, the housing here is too expensive, we can hire people who, who live in Alaska, and we don't have that issue, and they won't have that issue. Is that a perfect solution? Is that a solution?" Or are we starting to see that remote working ha is a, opens up a whole other Pandora's box of, of problems? You know, it's tough because you're right. You And we've done this. You know, we've been able to recruit, I think, really good talent from out Excellent. of the state of Florida. But it takes a certain type of person to be able to handle working in their house. And a certain know? type of manager to be overseeing that kind of team. Or a certain type of manager who's working remotely to be able to oversee, like, the right. remote team. And so, you know, yes, it's it's a great opportunity and that is one of the positives. And it does in a way partially resolve the one our company's issue when it comes yeah. to hiring. But at the same time, I'm a big believer that companies do better when people are together. 
you know, I think that the community aspect of work is extremely important for people's psychological health, you know, for people just to get to know one another, for interactions. Like if you're working with somebody remotely, you aren't able to have that, you know, let me just drop in their office and yeah. talk to them kind of moment. You have to schedule a call. You have to make sure that they're available by Teams or by Zoom. You have to, everything has to be very regimented and it takes away that whole water cooler opportunity to just sit around and bullshit with people if you want to. Which is and, very meaningful. And important. And it's important not just for us as the manager of this, of this company, but it's important to the people who work here to have lunch together, to be able to celebrate big events together, have birthday cake for a month when everyone has yeah. birthdays. And when you remove that and you make remote work the you know the goal, I do think that the company's efficiencies will suffer. And I, so I don't like the idea of making that the solution because it does partially solve the problem, but I think the real issue that needs to be addressed is how do you create an environment, especially in a city like this that's growing so quickly, where everybody can come down here, have the ability to live and work, and not feel boxed out because of the way yeah. that the city is changing. I, I agree with you completely, and that's why you know it takes us back to square one. Where I think there were times, maybe a year or two ago, where we were thinking this might be a solution, not just our, for our company, but just you know for 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 society, for our for our cities that have aging infrastructure, for a city like Miami that virtually has no infrastructure. Say, all right, finally, someone. We've been trying to solve this problem, and nature has solved it for us. But that didn't really stick. And I think a, a very easy metric of that, of that is how long it takes us to get into the office every morning from our houses. And there was a time when we were just flying here. We both live, what, six, seven miles away yeah. from the office. It was nice to get here in 10, 15 minutes. It was. But now the traffic's worse than it's ever been. And I know that's kind of a crude metric, but it shows you people are back in the office now, and the same problems that were haunting the city are back, but they're even worse. Well, and also, I think right now, we're, we're talking in December, almost the end of November of 2022. And anybody who lives in this town knows that beginning this week is when real tourist season starts in mm -hmm. this town. And all the new people that have moved here have never experienced a full-fledged Miami tourist season. Because since 2020, it's gotten better and it started to build over 2021. But this year is really the first year where everybody is oh, completely full, normal. Full swing. Completely normal. And you're going to see now the people who live here who have to deal with not just the influx of new population, but now all the tourists that are coming down here, it's going to become even more difficult to get around. But you know, getting, getting away for the moment from just like the infrastructure issues that the city has, I want to ask you, because you've seen this city change more than probably most people that are in this company. You've been here for so long. Do you think that this is going to stick or do you think this is a fad that's going to fade? And I, I don't know the answer, but I'm just curious what you think based upon everything that you've experienced and the different changes in this city. I think that this is not a fad. It's been gradually happening over the last 15, 20 years where you have more cultural institutions here. You have the things that a global population wants or, or things that will actually attract people to come here and stay here. And that was accelerated um, through, you know, you'd see the accelerations during the different real estate cycles, but this last cycle, and then followed by COVID and the huge influx of population, I think it's structural, meaning that I don't think it's gonna change. And it, it finally did occur. All these things, growing up in the 90s and the 2000s and people talking about globalization, 
people talking about Miami being an international city. It was kind of laughable. Like you said, it wasn't international. We had a lot of Latin American people here, including myself, but it wasn't international. It is now. And when you see, you just walk around, like I was at Art Basel last night, and the amount of languages that you hear, it's remarkable. And you can see the different people, and you can just look at look around, and you say, wow, this is actually a global event now, legitimately. And a lot of these people likely live here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that used to just be people coming in from all over the country, all over the world. And now these are locals that are experiencing these events. And, but is there any, can you think of any other place in the country that has gone through something similar to this where it's either stuck or dialed back? And the reason I ask like that is there, there's, it's very difficult to replace New York City. You know, Miami can never be New York City. It's impossible. We don't have the size. We don't have the scale. It just isn't that type of a, a town. Miami's a town more than it is a city, really. And I can't, I still am not 100% bought in on the idea of Miami becoming the new New York City or Brickle becoming the new Wall Street because it just doesn't have that size and that scale. So do you think that there's a, that there is any possibility that this will be a couple of years and then people will realize, you know what, I need to be back in the city where the real action is happening. This is a great place to have a vacation home, but it's not a realistic place to live. I'm sure there's some people who get sick of this place, right? Because there is a, an element of dysfunction in Miami that unless you embrace it, it'll annoy you until you, you know, you're <laughs> going to have to leave. But I, I say that lightly. I think that's something that will keep people here and attract them. It is the, the culture that we have here, the way we approach work. There's a lot of hardworking people in the city, but I think it's, it's rare to, to go out at 10 o'clock at night on walk down Brickle or downtown and see a bunch of lights on in the office buildings. And it's not to say that work doesn't get done here. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in this town now. There's a lot of hardworking people in this town, a lot of innovations coming out of this town, but there's a certain culture that's, made, that's stuck in this city that I think people start to embrace and they appreciate. They say, you know, we, there is a little bit more of a well-rounded um, lifestyle here. Um, a lot, maybe a part of that's the product of the nice weather that we have down here. But it sounds simplistic, but we're out, you know, 365 days a year, we can go outside and we can be active. And people here like to be, out, like to be outdoors and run and walk and go along, you know, go to the beach. And, and I think it's that intangible that will keep people here. Well, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, one of the things that I noticed as I've evolved here myself over the 22, almost 23 years that I've been here, is that most of the people in our generation that I've met that are from here or grew up here, they came back. They left, they went somewhere else to school, and they returned. And so there is that element of uh, retention amongst the people that have lived here. Because, you know, there's... The schools are sort of fraternal. People, the high schools, people want to come back and represent their schools in the same way that people typically deal with colleges. But that's sort of the the mindset of a lot of the schools here in Miami. And so, if the more kids, I guess, that are brought down here to grow up, I guess the more chance there is that that same cycle will continue. I mean, you're a great example. You grew up here. You left to go to the University of Florida. You spent seven years there. And did, was there even a question as to where you were going to go when you were done? No, but I think I was the rarity, actually. I've seen a lot of, uh, maybe I was a little bit earlier, but I've like to your point, I've definitely noticed a trend where a lot of people would go to, they'd finish school, finish college, whatever other schools they went to, 
and they'd go get jobs in the traditional um, you know, business centers of this country, New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco. And now I see when a lot of them start their families or consider starting a family, they come back. Obviously, a lot of them still have family here, but I think it's a recognition that overall, there's a, it's a very attractive proposition to live here, to work here, to raise a family here, because exactly what I'm saying, it's a well-rounded lifestyle. Part of it's the culture, part of it's the weather, but I still think that there's a, something that runs in the DNA of Miami where people try to still enjoy their lives and they don't get so focused on one thing or the other. There's a balance here. That's but what I'm trying to say. There's also something else that we haven't addressed. And you, you brought up San Francisco, so it immediately made me think. Miami doesn't have a real crime issue. I mean, every city's got crime. But for a city of this size, Miami's homeless population mm-hmm. seems significantly lower than when you go to any other big city in the country. It's true. You know, the violent crime is fairly de minimis when you go to compared to other cities in the country. So, you know, you have a safety element, I guess, in this town. Yeah. And that adds to some of the attractiveness, I think. I mean, you and I go, we've been going to San Francisco for conferences for a while. That city is a, the, one of the most beautiful cities in the country if you remove the dirt and the grime no, you're right. that has taken over. It's a big over, problem. A huge. And the same with New York. I mean, New York is a, I love New York City, it's my favorite city in the country. But the you know the homeless population and the amount of, cr- of violent crime that you see in the subways or on the streets have got and it's gotten worse since COVID. They have a real crime issue. Los Angeles is the same has some of the same problems, and people in these cities are paying enormous taxes, and the product that they're getting in return for that payment is not very very good. You're absolutely right. So I hadn't really thought about that. The security in this city. It's a it's a it's an important thing. How did they accomplish that? I don't I, even understand how. I don't know. It's the nicest weather in the country. You would think that people who you know have to you know God forbid they have to live outside the homeless people. You would think they would like it in the city of Miami, but somehow this place has managed to control no, you're that right. problem. Mental health problems are, I don't seem to be as prevalent on the streets here as you see in other places. I don't know how that's done, but it has to contribute to some of the. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Physical security is a real concern especially for a lot of high-profile people that end up moving down here, and that's got to go into it. You're yes. absolutely right. It, it's hard to, to understand how, that, that, how that's occurred. Yeah, I don't totally understand it either. Yeah, but you go, I mean, you and I have been, through, you know, been to these other cities, and as much as we love them, I think that we recognize that there are major issues when it comes to the problems that we've just addressed. And like we were just saying, the people who live there are paying so much money from their own wallet and taxes to live there, and they're met with all of these additional problems that really don't necessarily exist, at least at that level, as they do in cities. Like yeah, Los relative Angeles. to other major cities, this is a, it's a very secure city. It's not something that we don't we don't think to ourselves. You know, when we leave the office at night, I'm not really thinking about who's going to be on the street, or it doesn't cross my mind. No, I mean, I go running at five thirty in the morning or eight o'clock at night, typically in the dark. I don't think twice about safety or security. And I run, you know, through Coconut Grove and Coconut Grove is a nice area, but it's still a city. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a little town in and of itself. And you, a similar place like you would be in, let's say Santa Monica in California, that's a beautiful place. You may have concerns about your safety or security running in the dark. Sure. Like that. It's, you can't understate how important that is. And I hadn't really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. And then on, from the, now t- talking quickly about the law and about the practice of law down here. Yes. Yeah. I, I always laugh that when I first started practicing law here, I said there was like t- three jobs here. You were either a doctor, a lawyer, or you were in finance. And that was it. You know, there's so many lawyers in this town. Yet 
there never seems to be a lack of available business opportunities right. for lawyers in this town. So it is, from a legal perspective, a great place to live and practice. Trial trial lawyers do great here. As you were telling me before we started today, you were with a lawyer who practices in more of a corporate environment that they've been relocating lawyers down here. So it's yeah. a great place for practicing lawyer to be. Well, you see, and we read about these new buildings going up and they're being, major law firms are now leasing entire floors of these new buildings going up around downtown Miami in the Brickell area. And I, they're trying to get ahead of that. And I think that's that's a, that's real evidence of, of a seismic shift in the market in Miami because those lawyers need industries to service. Right. And I think it creates a lot of opportunity for lawyers down here in particular. And it solves an issue. I think there's too much, lawyers have done well in this city, but I think when we were both practicing, there was a, a palpable sense that I, there might be a, a few too many lawyers as far as how much business is out there. And I'm hoping that this, this change will address that issue, give more opportunities to lawyers. And I think overall, it'll make practicing law a more pleasant uh, profession again, because when there's not enough cheese to go around, it creates a you know, lot of competition that can interfere with that, um, that, that, that sense of community amongst, amongst lawyers. And I think that that's, that's something that has made it more negative to practice in Miami for a while. And I think that that's gonna ease up a lot. And the Florida bar has still not changed their reciprocity rules, right? So, which is an important element. You know, For those of you that are listening and watching that are lawyers that are Florida bar lawyers, you can't just walk in this state. You know, a lot of states, if you're practicing in Wisconsin and you want to go to Michigan, they'll like let they'll let you in. I don't know if that's they'll give you a correct, license, but, yeah, but whatever. But, it's you know, a good whatever example. example, like they will let you in just based upon the fact that you have a license to practice in a different state. Florida has always been very closed door. I mean, their reasoning is sound. They don't want people moving down here as snowbirds or somebody who just wants to have a temporary vacation home thinking they can just put up a shingle and say, I want to practice law and compete with all the people who have been practicing here. And that I think is really important to prevent unnecessary competition and really force somebody who wants to be in this city to go get that license to practice law. It will prevent, it will protect the people like us who have been here for years that have a, an active license yeah. to practice in this state. I think there'll be a rebalancing in a positive way for, for lawyers. And then, you know, for a lot, like I was saying, for a lot of other professionals and for all, all sorts of industries I can't even think of right now, there's just going to be more going on here. And that's a very positive thing. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be in this city. You know, there's a lot of controversy around the growth and around the way that things have changed. But overall, I would say, from our perspective, growing a small company ourselves here, the the outcome has been largely positive. There always are going to be hiccups and problems along the way when you're in growth mode, whether it's a business or it's a community. But I think overall, the city has really benefited from a lot of the changes around this country, and it's exciting to see how things are going to evolve. Well, what would you say for someone who's considering either relocating their business here or starting a business in Miami? You know, I would I would say, number one, that you may have missed the boat. You know, it's like if you try to do it today, you may be a little bit too late because a lot of people have already shown up. But at the same time, it depends on what kind of business you're talking about. As, as people, us, we lend money to small businesses all over the country, this is a place I would feel very comfortable providing capital to a small business, like a restaurant, a bar, a barbershop, because there is so many, there's so many people that the ability to be successful here is probably amplified for those small businesses because of just the sheer amount of customers that are available. So 
I would say that for the larger companies, like the big finance shops, you may have missed the boat already. You know, but if you're a local business that's trying to expand, this may be the perfect time. Well, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. Something that has changed in the last several years since we've been doing this, since we've been running this business and growing it, is you know, financial support and the capital markets. And Miami's really on the map when it comes to that. I mean, no matter it's a you know, it's a matter of degree. But growing a business is always going to be capital intensive. And rather than getting on a plane and flying up to New York or San Francisco. Miami's becoming quite a hub for that. And a lot of times these people who are in the capital markets, whether it be debt, equity, whatever, they're, they're coming down to Miami. It's true. Not necessarily relocating their businesses here. Some are actually, but there's, there's you know, major national conferences down here and there's a lot of activity. So for people who are in a variety of, of industries, obviously they're always going to need capital and the capital's coming here now rather than us having to get on a plane and go to New York City. It's true. I think they, that's a huge difference. It is. It is. It's, they come to us rather than us going to right. them in a lot of ways. Well, you know, that'll, uh, that'll do it for this particular episode, talking a little bit about our hometown. You know, I know it's central to just where we live, but I think the topic of Miami, Florida is something that is nationally interesting at this point. So hopefully we put a little perspective on it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you the next time. Cheers. Thank you for joining us. This episode was sponsored by Levelask.